1: it is 10 gems day for the offense we have a legendary running back class legendary tight end class better receiver class than you think even though the top end talent isn't quite the same as past years and an interior offensive line class that is absolutely nasty lots to talk about today on our annual offensive 10 gem special Jay, roll the intro What's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the bootleg football podcast as we said it is 10 gems day for the offense just to give you a little primer on what a gem is if you've somehow never heard this series over the last three or four years however long we've been doing it this does not mean the 10 best offensive players this does not mean the highest rated position players. What it means is these are basically just our guys. These are our 10 players that if we were a GM, we would not want to leave the draft without them. It's first rounders. It's day two guys. It's day three guys. It's it's just guys we love. And so, uh, you know, this series has kind of become a staple of our draft coverage. People look forward to it every year. Our hit rate is Pretty darn decent now. (laughs) I think we've gotten a little bit better at this with each passing year. Uh, But before we get to our first
2: gem, EJ, buddy, how you doing? Woo! One of my favorite (laughs) podcasts of the year. I love the gem series. In general, we already put out defense. People love it, too. That's already over... 15,000 views or whatever it's going to be by the time you see this offense is going to be just as good this is a great class and it was equally as hard (laughs) this is this is a gut-wrenching series to put together because we start out with like 30 players each and go how can i not include x and what's the relative weight of y (laughs) really happy with our final list This is a very strong class in many offensive categories, and you're going to see that reflected throughout. Um, I'm just going to kick it off because we got a lot to talk about, and we got a lot of great players. My first gem for offense for 2023 is Roshan Johnson, running back from Texas. And this is a guy Mm -hmm. I've been excited about since I scouted him on tape before we went to see Texas versus UTS or UTSA versus Texas live in Austin down in September. And I had like nine guys that were potential guys coming out. Um, We're going to be talking about most of those guys from Texas. But Roshan was the guy at breakfast the next morning. I was like, dude, like, have you seen this guy? Like, why is nobody talking about him? And I know the answer is Bijan. I get it. Bijan Robinson is a generational talent. We'll talk about that. But. I was amazed that people weren't talking more about Roshan Johnson because look, it's a Texas tailback folks. He's the total package as an RB, great size, top shelf speed and quickness and a physical running style. He will run you over. He's got everything. Honestly believe that if Bijan wasn't a Texas because Bijan is as good as everybody is saying, Roshan would have been a top five back in all of college, all of college football. Probably in terms I, of production. Yeah, probably. Yeah. i I thoroughly believe that. People just haven't seen him because, look, Bijan's shadow is huge and rightfully so. But here you go. Bijan, with everything you've heard about him, which is all true, and you saw it at the Combine over the weekend, Bijan averaged 6.1 yards per carry behind that Texas offensive line. And he's being heralded as one of the top five players in this class at any position, and I think that's true. Behind that exact same line, Roshan averaged 6 yards a carry one tenth of a yard less than Bijan. Yeah. Like if you if you believe all the things about Bijan, it's impossible to look at Roshan Johnson and not go, Holy crap, that's an exceptional football player. That's what I believe. That's why he's my first gem. And you know he has a, he has a very different style than
1: Bijan. Um you know I, I I would say in terms of like third down versatility, Roshan's more of the protector. Uh Bijan's more of the receiver. Mm-hmm. I would say in terms of running style, you know, Bijan Not that he's a dancer, but he's more, I'm going to make you miss. Whereas Roshan's just, I'm going to run over you and there's nothing you could do about it. Um, So I would say in terms of like stylistic, uh, I would say like uh, Bijan's more like Le'Veon Bell. Roshan's more like, uh, if you remember Brian Robinson from last year, you know, the Alabama running back that had been there for a long time, went to the senior bowl, just like Roshan did. And, you know, people like were not paying attention to Brian Robinson because they're like, well, he. You know, he didn't really start until last year. He couldn't win the job. And I'm like, well, did you see who the running backs were at Bama? Like, it kind of makes sense. But, like, you know, he finally got his moment to shine. And when he got on the field, he was really good. He was very efficient. Um, you know, was better in space than I thought he was giving credit for, even though he was a very big back, great in pass protection, could catch the ball. Just an all-around solid, solid player. Um, and Roshan profiles, I think, like the exact same way. I think in terms of, you know, starting potential in the NFL, it really does depend on where he goes. But I also think that, you know, if he, pending what, what's happening with Alvin Kamara, but like if he went to a situation where it's like our number one back is Alvin Kamara or Austin Eckler, you know, smaller guy, more a, more of a receiver type. Um, not that Austin can't get it done in short yardage, but it's like, hey, if we want to take those hits off of him and save him for all the other stuff, we need a guy that can come in and like just be that goal line grinder, you know, convert third downs for us, pass protect, do all that other dirty work. Like he would go to the chargers and be the other half of the coin for them. And if Austin knock on wood got hurt, Roshan could start and be productive in a whole bunch of different ways for them. So yeah, I agree. You know, he was, he was in a very large shadow behind Bijan and, I think pretty much every running back in college football would be, but he still acquitted himself well. And when he got on the field, he played well. And I think that's what scouts care about. It's not like they weren't paying attention when he was on the field. Like scouts definitely saw what he could do and he will get drafted somewhere and probably between the late third to early fifth round is what I would say. It's like him him and Charbonnet are kind of competing for that, that type of role, right?
2: Yeah, the explosion is the thing I – the thing I think sets him apart from, and Brian Robinson had it as well. When Brian Robinson got an opening and took off, there were a couple plays on tape last year where you are like, wow, where's that all the time? Yeah. But I think Roshan brings that consistently. So you are going to bring him in to be a bigger back and to run physically, but he's got shake. He's got, I think, more shake than Robinson did. And that's the thing is you didn't see the explosive plays drop off when Bijan went out and Roshan came in. They still hit explosive plays in the running game. And he's got a little bit more jazz. So I think you're right. He comes in as a complimentary back. But when he gets that chance, when Eckler or whoever's in front of him gets dinged up, he's going to start running over people and running by people. And then he's going to run around a couple people and people are going to be like, He's not just a thumper, holy crap. He can score from 35 yards out. And the answer is yes, he can. And I think people are going to get their eyes opened up. Again, it's all about opportunity, as it is with all players, but especially for running backs. You can get buried in a good depth chart, not get your touches, but when he gets his touches, people are going to be like, wow. Just a
1: reminder to folks at home when it comes to scouting running backs, the if you average out, the, the 10 most productive running backs in the league last year. And this this note was constantly hammered during the NFL Network broadcast. There's only two guys that were under 208 pounds. Uh, and uh, Christian McCaffrey was one of them, who's like an outlier in almost every sense of the word, right? There's only two guys that 208 pounds. Like most good running backs in the NFL are big, like 215 plus Roshan's two nineteen. So it is one of those positions where if you're looking for a guy who can start, you bet on size and then work from there. Like you're not you're not drafting Jameer Gibbs to start. He will never start. You're not drafting Deuce Vaughn to start. Like y- you bet on size if you're trying to get a guy who can start. And everybody else is the other back. So uh, yeah, I agree, Roshan, absolutely for that reason. Um, my first gem. I'm gonna also. Stick with running back. I didn't plan this. But my first gem is uh, Israel Abanakanda, another bigger back from Pitt, faster than he has any right to be at like 5'11", 216. (laughs) Legit 4'3 speed. My comp for him was, um, uh, how I worded it, was Raheem Mostert. If Raheem Mostert did nothing but just pound creatine shakes all day. (laughs) Like, he is so big and so fast. And even though he doesn't have... um, you know, the stop start and the lateral agility of some of the other, like Ty J Spears, like different planet, right? In terms of lateral agility, Bijan, different planet. In terms of, you know, a running back that you can put back there and say, I'm calling outside zone, you're hitting front side, go score. He's going to do that better than maybe anybody else in this class. Like legit high 4 3, low 4 4 speed at 215 plus pounds. Um, I think his vision is especially on those types of zone runs. His vision is good. I would say on like the gap scheme stuff, you know, sometimes he he gets a little bit over eager on the gap scheme stuff and he tries to hit it a little bit too quickly where you kind of got to slow play those sometimes. And, and Bijan's really good at that, right? Bijan will literally just sit there and wait for it to open. And then he will he will sit back there in the chaos and wait for it to open just like Le'Veon. Uh, Abanicanda sometimes will dive headfirst into, <laughs> into danger when he really shouldn't. But on the wide zone stuff, I mean, he is just phenomenal. He might be the most dangerous running back in this class other than Bijan on, on wide zone. Uh, and he can catch the ball a little bit too. You know, I feel like they underutilized him there. You know, he scored on an angle route. I can't remember what game it was in, but I, I'll throw the B-roll up on screen where like he just caught it in space. And even though he kind of like stumbled a little bit to start, like once he got rolling, he, he was gone. Um, you know, they used him a lot in the screen game. They treated it basically just as an extended handoff of like, here's the ball in space, go score. And he did, uh, you know, so he's, he is just so remarkably frightening from a size speed perspective. It, it's very similar to like a Jonathan Taylor type profile, but without the same lateral agility that Taylor also had. So he will go like third or fourth round because of that. But man, you put him in one of those Shanahan type offenses that's like 35, 38% wide zone. <laughs> he would destroy. People. Like, I want to see him in Miami, honestly, under Mike McDaniel, because, like, he is exactly what Mike McDaniel wants.
2: Yeah, it's like all those backs from those wide zone systems that we harped on last year in the draft and last year in our off season profiles—the the San Francisco tree, if you want, of wide zone proliferation as it goes around the league. And Abana Kanda reminds me of Tyler Algier, mm. faster, mm. like. He's yeah, Alger was like, like four
1: five, four six. Yeah.
2: Right. He's Tyler Alger's like physical profile. And it really does feel like two guys. You're like, oh, that's Tyler Alger. And then he takes off and you're like, that's not Tyler Alger. <laughs> like yeah. that's Tyler Alger with jetpack. Like, that's crazy. And uh, it was super fun to watch pit games. Uh, because Abandon was really productive. They leaned on him a lot. He got a lot of touches, and you got a lot of chances to see him do the things he does well and some of the things he does poorly that you mentioned that like a little bit more patient not just hard nose not just blue collar like give that and if he gets with a running back coach that allows him to just wait that extra beat he's gonna have even more of those because the, the whole open up and it's it's not like he can't get there when the hole opens up it's like hey is there like you got enough speed Right, just just wait that extra tick. You're gonna get through the hole because we all know that you can just blast when you take off. So super fun player to watch, really productive, hard nosed runner, and is just I think a few tweaks away from being like crazy productive. He he was uh,
1: when I when I first watched him. God, I can't remember what game it was that I started on. Um, it might have been might have been Florida State. But I got, like, five carries in, and I was like, "Yeah, I see Jay Ajayi. Like, that's who I see. And then all of a sudden, he broke one. I was like, oh, shit, that is not Jay <laughs> That is so much faster than Jay So it's yeah. one of those that's like you're waiting for it, you're waiting for it, and then once you see it, you're like, oh, okay, that's different. That's different. Uh, who's your second gem?
2: My second gen is a guy that I absolutely cannot quit, and it's Josh Downs, wide receiver, North Carolina. <laughs> I first found Josh Downs when everybody was absolutely hyping Israel Abanikanda's and teammate, Jordan Addison, when he was a pit. Everybody's like, Jordan Addison, Jordan Addison, when he comes out, he's going to be the guy. And I was watching Sam Howell tape, <laughs> and I, you know, there's a lot of Josh Downs on Sam Howell tape, and I was like, similar size profile like he's a little smaller he's really like what does he do that Jordan Addison doesn't do besides you know play for Pitt and get all the press and I just kept watching him and obviously had this year with Drake May another great quarterback prospect comes through North Carolina and Josh Downs just keeps producing he is not the biggest at all he is not the fastest he's not even the most productive wide receiver in college but he is such a good football player. And I got to say, I wanted to take somebody off this list because I had, like I said, multiple other players that I wanted to include. Josh was the first name that I went to more times than not. I was like, ah, just get off it, EJ. He's he's small. He's and I couldn't do it. I seriously probably stacked four guys up against him. And I was like, no, nah, I'm going to pull him. I'm going to pull him. I'm going to pull him this time. I'm going to take him off. I'm going to put him in honorable mentions. That's where he belongs. And every time, head to head, I was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't pull Josh Downs off the list. He is very similar to the profile, obviously, of Addison, but he is a great contested catcher despite being small 5'9, 171. But he wins those balls down the field. He is extremely quick in and out of his breaks. He ran a one, four, nine, 10 yard split combine. So that checks out on tape and he works hard at his craft. That's what I love is he doesn't just out-athlete people. He is very quick in space, and he doesn't just count on that. He has great footwork. He has really good releases. His routes are very good, and all of that combined makes him quarterback-friendly. It's the reason Howell threw to him. It's the reason Drake may target him so often. He's open a lot, and when a guy is open a lot, you develop that trust with your quarterback, and Josh Downs can do that because he has a physical ability to get open, but he also has the mental and sort of tactical ability to get open on the football field, and I love that. He's going to get picked later because of his size. We talked about it, 5'9", 171, not going to impress a lot of people, but you look at the tape, two different quarterbacks, really consistent over the last couple of years, great contested catcher, which kind of belies his size. You'd think, oh, he's small. He doesn't do that well. He does. Just a great, great football player who I could not pull off this list. He's a fascinating prospect to me
1: because he's a small guy that plays big and there's some big guys in this class that play small yes there oh, are um. and even though he is 5'9 171 a contested catch rate of 70 percent is absolutely absurd and you know I, I watched every single contested target of the entire season because I was like that number has to be wrong it has to be wrong and like you're watching it and he's he's you know, he's plucking balls off the top of guy's helmets in the red zone. Um, you know, he's, he's running like a high cross and the, the ball's back shoulder and he's adjusting to it with a corner draped all over him and catching it back shoulder. And I'm like, he, he plays six, three, he plays six, four, and he's five, nine. And then you look at, at at somebody who won't be named uh, on this (laughs) list who is six, four, at least listed at six, four, uh, And his contested catch rate was like 38%. And I'm like, what gives? And it literally comes down to, are you a hands catcher? And do you have strong hands? Because if you have a quarterback that can throw with leverage, whether you're five, nine or six, four, if you're a hands catcher, you could still make it work. And if you're a body catcher, it almost doesn't matter how well the ball is placed. Like if you let it into your body, you're, you're going to have it disrupted. And, I think the fact that he is a hands catcher with such strong hands means that he can play so much heavier than his weight class. And it, it really does show up on tape. In addition to having the quicks and the, you know, the speed of a, of a smaller guy, but he's so fascinating because I have no idea where he's going to go. Right. Yeah. Because some teams, some teams will scoff at the side. I mean, five nine one seventy one. That's It's like smaller than Devonta Smith.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we had so many concerns about Devonta Smith. Like he's, he's, littler than that uh and so i i don't know if that if that means that he's going to be completely off the radar of some teams that have really strict thresholds i have no idea but like you throw in the tape and you're like fuck
2: he's beating everybody like what do you want me to do (laughs) You know? yeah did you see his gauntlet drill at the combine yeah so fast down the line like diamonds yeah full speed diamonds up for a target when we're talking about diamonds it's your hand position like this to let the point of the ball come right into here so basically the ball forces your hands to catch it but full speed right displayed all of his gifts like strong hands super fast great hand eye like he was blazing along the line straight patches snap 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 and it's like that's what you see on tape like i'm really glad that he was able to put that down in front of evaluators not that they needed to know it, but sometimes the combine just confirms priors and his gauntlet drill at the combine and his 10-yard split just confirmed priors. It's like, yep, that's what we see on tape. And some team's going to get a steal because he's going to go a little bit later than a bunch of other receivers who just plain old aren't as good at the job. Also, 38-and-a-half-inch uh, vert. You know, just saying, if you're, if
1: you're 5'9", with 38-and-a-half-inch vert, theoretically, that's the same <laughs> as if you're six foot with a 35 and a half inch vert. So, you know, it, it all kind of evens out. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, my second gem, uh, we're going to the offensive line. Uh, looking at TCU national champion finalists. <laughs> he said with air hang, quotes, "Hang the banner." <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but I mean, honestly, TCU did have a shitload of talent. They deserved, uh, they deserve to be a playoff team. They're going to have a whole bunch of dudes drafted. And one of their top, Draftable players, uh, Steve Avila, their left guard who gave up a grand total of 12 pressures the entire year. And it's not just, uh, oh, you know, balls out in one and a half seconds, it's they're RPOing you to death. Like, it wasn't a fake offense in terms of pass protection, like, there was a lot of stuff that he really had to hang in there and fight for his life. And going up against that Georgia front, you know, with Jalen Carter on it. I thought he acquitted himself better against Jalen Carter in the few reps that they truly got one-on-one uh, in, in pass pro. He acquitted himself better against Jalen Carter than uh, Osiris Torrance did from Florida to me. So that really stuck out of like, hey, this is a top-tier athlete, not just among college players, but among any level of football. And you you, you went into a phone booth and fought him and survived. So that was that was huge for me. I think he could legitimately be a, a back end of the first round pick just because if you need to hit one right down the middle of the fairway and not miss, Steve Avila is the guy. But, you know, I, I think the the speculation that at minimum he's going in like the first seven or eight picks at the top of the second round is pretty fair. I think he will. I have no idea what team, you know, we'll have to see what uh, voodoo magic Ryan Poles <laughs> pulls off here and see how many picks he gets that high. But... Uh, you know, if uh, if he wound up as a bear, I would not be complaining because he'd be a bear for a really, 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 really long time. He's a special pass protector.
2: He's a mean dude. Like, I don't know what his personality is off the field. We've never met him. We've never talked to him. On the field, he's a mean dude, and that's exactly what you want as a guard. His numbers are not going to wow you. Like His combine, honestly, if we were just going by numbers, which is why we don't, He's not that impressive. He had a 1.86, 10-yard split. Yeah, at a heavier weight. Like, he didn't jump that well. He didn't top 30 inches, which is, again, a good mark for a card. Doesn't matter. Throw it out. (laughs) Like, all of it. Look at the tape. He is a brawler in a phone booth. He has extremely strong hands and forearms. He gets control. He plays with leverage, and he beats dudes up. And that's what you want as a guard. Now, if you're in one of those wide zone systems and you need a guy who can really motor on the pole and cover ground, Avila might not be your cup of tea. If mm-hmm. you are a power gap scheme and you want one guy to be able to take care of one guy on the defensive line, pretty much absolutely is going to be way up your board because if you stack that guy up against most grown men playing defensive tackle, in the NFL, and there are some badasses who do that for a living. Vila's got a decent shot to hold them, control them, even move them as he learns to, you know, better his skill, as all college players do as they hit the league. Like, he is a solid bet. He is not a guy. I mean, you might look at his numbers and go, what are you talking about? First round, late first round, or top of the second round? No way. There's this and this. I'm not talking about the athletes. I'm talking about the tape. This guy is an athlete on tape. He is highly skilled. He is tough and he is mean you know if people just watched
1: the 40 yard dashes of the offensive line didn't stick around to watch the drills they missed what he did in the field work which was far more impressive from an athletic standpoint right you know like uh some of the bag drills they were doing to like simulate picking up stunts and like you saw his feet you saw him like like it's just pistons up and down right um you know the kick set drills like where you, uh, they had uh, Jeff Stoutland running the drills, and like his first step is really explosive, especially for a guy his size. He's like three thirty plus, um, and that also again it shows up on tape. Like he gains so much ground, and and guys that are typically built like him, that are super physical, they they short set everybody right. Like they they get up in your face because they don't they don't think that they have the nimbleness to, you know survive and mirror and kind of invite you in and then clamp you down like they, they short set you so either they win fast or they lose fast it's going to be fast regardless Avila can short set you because he's huge and he's strong but it's that first step where he can get vertical and he can literally get so wide even against like a loose three technique he can get so wide that he takes away the edge and he literally says, you're either coming through me or going inside, but I'm taking away the edge. And if you go inside, I'll wash you down. I'll trust my quarterback to, to adjust behind me. And if you go through me, fuck you, I'm 330. You're not going through me, right? So it's it's the explosive first step for me combined with the physicality. Like, that's why he only gave up an average of less than a pressure per game, which is special, special stuff. You know, like like you mentioned in the, in the run game, like – Is he going to be like amazing at wide zone or anything like, no, probably not. But man, if you just run a whole bunch of inside zone and you want to not have the front of your pocket collapse ever, (laughs) it's going to be hard to top Steve Avila for me in this guard class. I think he might actually be, depending on how you classify some of the tackles converting, right? Uh, I think he might actually be the best pure guard in this class.
2: Yeah, he rules the phone booth. Like he's He works in a short space, and he is highly effective in that short space. And like you said, that first step quickness is all he needs to get to the edge of his area. And then there's all the physical gifts and the disposition that we talked about. So he has the ability to play multiple ways within that confined space where, look, that's his gig. That's what he has to excel at, and he is really, really good at it.
1: Sticking with uh, interior offensive
2: linemen, who do you got for your third gem? It is appropriate that this guy is in the middle because that's where he plays. Joe Tipman, the center at Wisconsin. Everybody's talking about John Michael Schmitz, and they should be. They were talking about him last year. If he came out, he would have been the top center then, too. He's going to be the top center this year, I believe. But right behind him, there's some really good players, and this is one of them. Joe Tipman... Again, center for Wisconsin, he's really tall for a center. First thing that jumps out about Tippman is he is six six, And typically that's not something you want from a center leverage-wise. That's not something that works particularly well at that position historically. It has. There have been tall centers. But Tipman makes it work. And one of the reasons is his length, 80-inch wingspan, means that he's a problem in pass protection because usually a center kind of has to commit, right? If he's not head up with a defensive tackle he's got to commit to one side or the other Tipman with that width can stay in the middle and reach both sides of the alley and mm-hmm. he does it really well he plays with balance um he was a very effective pass protector which is not something we've seen from wisconsin typically historically but their pass game has balanced out they are not a just pure run only offense anymore but of course if you play at wisconsin you're going to run the ball and he's honed his craft in the run game he's a very solid technician there he plays with great leverage for a guy that's 6'6 bend is not a problem for him and again he's got this you know whatever you want great flying buzzard wingspan that allows (laughs) him to get a hold of people and he brings his bottom half underneath that top half very well balances resets redirects doesn't give up a lot of pressure plays very steady which is something at the center position that quarterbacks appreciate. It's not that high variance. I won faster. I lost fast. It's like, I got it. I'll lock it down. Sometimes takes him an extra step to anchor against just bullish defensive tackles. But come on, this guy was going against Keanu Benton in practice every day. Like he understands how to lock down powerful tackles. Um, He's not going to be the first center picked, but he will anchor an NFL line for a while. I am sure of it. And he's going to be a great value because of it. He could be picked right up behind somebody like John Michael Schmitz. He might even, depending on the team, push him. I do not think he'll be selected before him. He'll be selected at some point after him, and whichever team picks him is going to be really, really happy because I think he'll start quickly.
1: Kind of reminds me uh, a little bit of another former Wisconsin center who was huge, Travis Frederick, uh-huh. 6'4", 313 at the time. Titman's even bigger. Uh, and another th- aspect, and, you know, just talking about physical profile, not even talking about the tape. The tape obviously is impressive because um, when you when you watch him on tape, like once he gets his hands on you, like he, you're done, Right. And when he got to the combine, one of the key measurements I was looking for was hand size because hand size is a very underrated thing when it comes to offensive linemen, because the bigger your hands are, honestly, the stronger they are. And the harder it is to get off that grip. A lot of elite offensive linemen have big, big, just fucking catcher's mitts for hands. He's 10 and three quarter (laughs) inches, which even by offensive lineman standard is, is pretty up there. And so that kind of backed up on tape because you see it like, you know, when he flashes the punch and then pulls it and you do your club and you miss and then he goes back in your chest like the rep's over the rep's over because he just has these claws that when he's in your chest like it's you're done and he's so long and he's so big and you can't run through him. And like you mentioned, the wingspan makes it, makes it tough to kind of, you know, rush half a man on him too, right? Because you, you really got to deal with all that length. He's, just, he's a very unique profile for a center. It's very rare to see one that big and that long. Uh, even Frederick was not that long uh, or that big, and Frederick had himself a really nice career, unfortunately, before injuries kind of derailed it. But, like, I see a very similar type of skill set, just overwhelming, uh, you know, power and physicality. Uh, I think if, if you're again, another one of these teams where it's like, we want to line up, we want to run inside zone, uh, or we want to run tight zone and just completely wash a nose off the screen. He's your guy for it. In addition to being a really solid pass protector, John Michael schnitz is uh, John Michael schmitz, excuse me, not schnitz, um, way better reach blocker. I would say like, if you, if you want to do like, if you want to hit stuff front side, John Michael Schmitz is your guy because even if even if it's like a head up two technique, and he's got to go get him, he'll go get him. Like I don't think Tippmann can do that, but if you just want to create cutback lanes with pure destructive chaos and physicality, <laughs> Tippmann is he is the
2: one you want. Yeah, this center class is. Uh, We talk a lot about the interior offensive line class, and a lot of times that means a lot of good guards and a couple of good centers that could probably start, and then maybe a couple of guys you're going to take a reach on in the fourth round. This center class, it's pretty deep. Like There weren't a ton of them at the combine, but most of the guys at the combine I could see getting drafted in the first four rounds for the center yeah. class because there's a bunch of skilled dudes in there. and They're not necessarily going to go high because positional value for center is usually one that sneaks into sort of the back end of the first round and then people sort of wait and they go pick the edges that slipped or that big wide receiver that slipped or that corner that they need or whatever else. And then they get to the third and it's like, oh, this guy's still here. Wasn't he a, wasn't he a Joe Moore award winner? As a matter of fact, <laughs> this year he was. Uh, all those players are, they're, Great values and they are low risk and we know that NFL GMs love low risk. I mean, there was
1: three at the Shrine Bowl alone, like uh Ricky Stromberg, Juice Scruggs, uh John Gaines was there too, right? Yes, yeah, he was. Other, yeah.
2: Who tested <laughs> out of this freaking world. Yeah, he's one um, of the guys that made the most money this weekend.
1: He uh there there's like a threshold for uh, for uh for short shuttle for offensive linemen. I think it's like four, I'll look up the exact number, but he was the only offensive lineman to clear the threshold. And that threshold historically, um, if you, if you, if you meet it, you start 87% of your games. (laughs) And he was the only one in this class to meet it. So uh, Gaines is, he's, he's pretty physically gifted. And again, he's another one of these guys with center guard versatility. You're going to get on day three. (laughs) So it's like, there's a million of them. Like it's, it's that kind of interior class. Uh my third gem, sticking with uh, run blocking Maulers, but at a different position this time. Darnell Washington, tight end from Georgia, who's basically just another offensive tackle that also happens to run four six and can catch the ball. Like I think, you know, the fact that he looks up to Mercedes Lewis is so appropriate <laughs> because he profiles like Mercedes Lewis as a blocker, plus extra receiving versatility that you know maybe young Mercedes Lewis had obviously old 38 year old Mercedes Lewis doesn't have anymore but like young Mercedes Lewis is a very favorable comp for him and if you're getting Mercedes Lewis out of a first round pick like young Mercedes Lewis that's probably one of the best results you could ever hope for you know somebody who plays like 17 years and is effective for his entire career even just as a run blocker let alone the receiving stuff I don't know if you saw uh, the catch he made on uh, on the fade drill of the combine. Everybody
2: see that catch like all around the world. That was the catch heard around he's, the world from the combine. He's
1: disgusting. He's disgusting. And the fact that you can throw it up and he could do that kind of stuff and absolutely demolish the sled like he was the only tight end that was pushing the sled with absolute ease. It's like he didn't even break a sweat. He is so far and away above every other tight end this class. Tight end in this class in terms of like that pure classic inline role where we are going to run the ball, we are going to run it behind you, you're going to take a six tech all by yourself and run them off the screen. He's the only one that can do it at least consistently in this class. Like Michael Mayer has some good reps doing it. Um, uh, uh, Tucker craft has some good, like, but in terms of every single time lineup, we are running the ball behind you go win. He's the only one that consistently does it. Plus he's a freak athlete as a receiver. So I think Darnold Washington is a lock for the first round just for that alone, because it's so hard to find tight ends that can block like that. And you're
2: getting extra on top. He's a cheat code there's no other way to put it out there his presence on the field is not going to signal to a defense that this is run or pass especially in the red zone because mm-hmm. there's no liability it's not like well they put him out here so they only have a 30 percent chance to run it because he's not that good a blocker he's basically got to get a perfect block, or they're not going to score that's not him at all so he could be out there absolutely just seal and pin the end and literally tell the running back like aim for darnell's butt you're going to be fine because he's not coming backwards, not a half a step. You're going to be fine. And then, yeah, there was that catch at the combine, but his tape is littered with stuff like that. This guy that's 6'7, mm-hmm. well over 260, hurdling people, you know, spinning off folks, catching balls outside his frame, putting his toes down. It's, it's like two separate skill sets fused together to this one guy, so there's no indication of the defense that it's runner pass. And if you look at him physically and that blocking profile, obviously he was higher profile because he played at Georgia and not Arizona, but oh, Rob Gronkowski is the frame. <laughs> oh yeah, Rob Gronkowski is the frame in the blocking. Now, I'm not saying Darnell Washington is going to be a Hall of Famer because Gronkowski, probably the best tight end that's played Certainly in the last 20 years, I would say. And that's some there's some stiff competition there. But when you look at both sides of what a tight end has to do, they have to straddle that line. Gronk, we all say, could have put on 20, 25 pounds and been a Pro Bowl offensive tackle, like easily with his block skills. You looked at that sled drill. I gotta say it was embarrassing for a lot of the tight ends. I think Matt Miller put out a tweet that said, you can definitely tell which tight ends were asked to run block in college and which ones weren't, because mm-hmm. there was some ugly reps. Against that sled, Washington picked it up, sort of crab stepped that thing and pushed it about six yards before they just said stop. It's not like he came to a halt. They just he, said he okay. could have gone the entire yeah. length of the field and he was just he stepping to. along, pushing that thing where other guys are running their face into it and bending their back and you know practically falling over. He's a different athlete, and then on top of that, he can go out and be a massive red zone threat. He can be, uh, I mean. The worst play in the world is Darnell Washington on chip leak.
1: Oh God. Yeah. You get him rolling with some poor hundred eighty pound corner out there trying
2: to tackle him. Well, he's gonna make funeral arrangements, dude. (laughs) He's gonna destroy (laughs) the defensive end, right? He's gonna cave him in completely, and then he's gonna roll off, and you're gonna have some, I don't know, coverage back. I mean, pick your poison. Like he's really fast, he's really tall, he's really strong, and he catches with his hands. As in terms of a mismatch nightmare, there's not many other players in this draft. And in terms of lottery upside, like if you hit and he maximizes his potential, the only player with a greater score in that category in this draft is Anthony Richardson. And that's that could change your entire franchise. So he's the guy that I put on and took off this list more often. Uh, than any other player he was in my honorable mentions but you elevated him to the to the full squad to the starting 10 so uh, I felt great about that because I didn't have to pick him yet we still get to talk about him so great great player love him and he's gonna change some team once the coaches figure out oh we can do everything with him you have another tight end on your list uh, one that
1: if you didn't pick him I was so (laughs) either way both these guys were getting on here who's your uh, who's your fourth yeah
2: yeah, we did each other a favor with this these couple selections. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end from Utah. Uh, again, I swapped him in Washington multiple times. I, I thought about some other tight ends, and in the end, I just went back and watched Dalton Kincaid solo, and I couldn't not put him on the list. Like I, I just, I sort of at that point penned his name on the list and was like, no, I I can't shake the feeling that he has the same natural feeling understanding that Travis Kelsey does versus zone. I'm not saying Dalton Kincaid is Travis Kelsey. Let's get that straight. I'm saying that when I watch those guys, those two guys operate against zone, Travis Kelsey is the best in the NFL right now at operating against zone. And I would probably say wide receiver or tight end. And that shows up in (laughs) multiple ways every time. He is always in the right spot for leverage. And we all know he can pick his own spot in that offense. Dalton Kincaid has a lot of reps that look the same. When you look at where he catches the ball, he is perfectly equidistant in between the three defenders. Makes it, again, very quarterback friendly, very easy catch target. But he just has that natural feel of where to stop, where to float, where to coast, where his leverage is. Um, And that all adds up to him being really good after the catch as well. He was ridiculously productive is the other thing I love about him. Um, 70 catches for 890 yards and 8 TDs this year. 12.7 average, which is a really solid number for a tight end. It's not um, one of those screaming down the seam tight ends. There are definitely tight ends that have a higher yards per catch average. But overall, that kind of production is great. And another tight end in this class that's getting a ton of buzz is Luke Musgrave. Now, Luke Musgrave's physical marvel. He's really fast, and he can stretch the seam for you. His best year, Musgrave's best year in the very same conference ever, 22 for 304 and one touchdown. 22 catches, 304 yards, one touchdown.
1: If he didn't get hurt this year, obviously, I mean, because like the first couple games, Musgrave was the passing offense. And, you yeah. know, they're up by you up at Oregon State, so you you watch them, but like, you know that. But he would he would not have produced like Dalton because very few tight ends ever produced like Dalton Kincaid, College or pro. Also, one quick note on the seventy catches. A third of those came against USC. <laughs> like by itself. I don't know. I mean everybody's watched the USC game, but like if you haven't, Go watch Dalton Kincaid like the first time against USC at 18 catches for like 220 yards or something like that. Everybody knew he was getting the ball every single third down. It didn't matter. They literally could not stop him. One of the most dominant performances I have ever seen from a tight end in my entire life. They could not stop him.
2: And that is a defense full of great athletes. It wasn't a great defense necessarily. They didn't necessarily play together. But like USC is stacked in terms of athletes and Kincaid showed his athleticism against that he's fluid and smooth he is a great hands catcher we just talked about that with Josh Downs Um, especially on the seam route there's a huge one versus USC that is on all the highlight tapes you can catch it there he's dangerous after the catch as well broken tackles you can see those versus Colorado versus Florida literally on every tape but Colorado and Florida he had some ones where he embarrassed the defense on basically just keeping running through contact spinning off contact And he's fast. He often out-accelerates the number two and number three wide receiver for Utah. They go four verts with him a lot in the split out wide in the slot. And he is the second fastest guy off the line. The number one's faster than him. He out-accelerates the two and three. And you see that after the catch. He's not just one of those guys that's going to catch it, turn, hit contact, and go down. A lot of times, he is spinning off just like a wide receiver does and picking up a lot of yards after the catch. That's great versatility, great dangerous option for your offense and that's what ocs are looking for in the modern nfl is i don't care if you're a running back or a tight end or a wider receiver. i don't care what your designation is after i get you the ball can you hurt them past where you pass the catch point point? and dalton Kincaid is one of the best if not the best in this draft out of a historically loaded tight end class at that his Body control is really good. This guy is thoroughly coordinated along the boundary in the end zone. It's terrific. Check out the massive TD catch versus Colorado. He is running down the seam. He is looking over his left shoulder. Ball comes in over his right shoulder. He jumps up, turns his head around, catches the ball with a guy draped on him in coverage. Rare ability and body control from a tight end. Just a pure weapon at tight end. That's my elevator speech for Dalton Kincaid. You need a weapon at tight end? Go get Dalton Kincaid.
1: In terms of receiving ability for tight ends, nobody comes close. Uh, my one complaint with him, um, and this is like a direct comparison to Dar- Darnell Wright, so or not Darnell Wright, Darnell Washington. Um, so it really depends on the flavor you're looking for. He's 245 pounds, and mm-hmm. he is not going to do all the wide tight end stuff for you. He is nope. he's very much going to be like an Evan Ingram, uh, but better. Way better. <laughs> but in terms of like the move tight end, you know, big slot type role, um, that is that is what he's going to be. As a blocker, we hope that one day he can be Dalton Schultz. You know, he, he's <laughs> never going to be Darnell Wright or Darnell Washington. God damn it. <laughs> too many Darnells in this class. There's a lot um, of Darnells. A lot of Darnells. Like, we, he's never going to be that. He's never going to be a true Y. He is always going to be a an H-back move tight end whatever you want to refer to it as big slot but if that's what you're looking for out of your tight end which is yeah we don't really like running the ball anyway like kansas city you know they throw 70 percent of the time buffalo they throw 70 percent of the time like if you, if you don't care about running the ball yeah dalton Kincaid's your dude man because he's gonna
2: probably be a better receiver than half of your actual receivers even at the nfl level or if you already have the tight end in your offense that can do that dirty work and mm-hmm. you want to give your quarterback a new best friend. Dalton Kincaid is an excellent addition to your football team. And who could that be? Oh, yeah. If Cole Chicago. Komet's going to be your blocker <laughs> and you want Justin to have a target to throw to, you go get him a Dalton Kincaid. And Justin thanks you a lot because he's like, man, that guy's always open. He's super reliable. I can throw the ball anywhere around him. He's going to go get it because he's six four and he's got great hands. Like, Again, we talk about building a stable, building a room with different skill sets. If you already have a guy that's pretty good in line and can thump and can push the run and you want to do some fun stuff, uh, like Utah did a ton of this where they're basically getting the ball on screens and you want to Mm -hmm. basically set up in 22 and then go, oh, we're going to run Kincaid behind Komet. Komet's going to block for Kincaid, and we're basically going to make a prepackaged completion for Justin and still have the ability to break that play. Like Dalton's your dude.
1: Yeah, especially if you're matching it in base defense because you have to against 22. So you got a whole bunch of big, slow dudes on the field. Like, ooh,
2: good luck. do
1: some work. Uh, my fourth gem <laughs> said his name already multiple times. The other great Darnell in this class, Darnell Wright, uh, offensive tackle from Tennessee. There was, uh, I don't want to say a surprisingly <laughs> good showing at the combine from the tackles. It's more, it more just kind of affirmed uh, what we knew right? Um, like we knew that Broderick Jones was really talented and he showed himself to be really talented. Uh, we knew that Paris Johnson was, was uh, another guy who might sneak into the top 15, top 20 picks. And he looked the part uh, Jones, the other tackle from Ohio state we knew was absolutely massive. Um, he just had to show up there and put like decent numbers for his size. And we were all going to fall in love. And we did. But to <laughs> me, the, the guy that really helped himself the most was Darnell Wright, who's coming off the back of a very impressive senior bowl performance down there at Mobile. Um, And not to mention very impressive tape in the SEC, you know, pitching shutouts to Bama and LSU back-to-back against Will Anderson and B.J. Ogilari, two very, very, very good edge rushers that are both obviously going to be in the top – well, Anderson's going to be in the top five. Ogilari's going to be in the top 40. Uh, Wright, I think, showing up to the combine and having – uh, has as an amazing uh, testing day as he did his RAS was nine four seven which is awesome he's 6'5", 333, you know still putting up a one eight one ten yard split and a five hundred one in the forty like that shows you the explosiveness went through the drills and had the best kick step out of anybody there uh, you know. Better than, uh, better than the the Georgia and Ohio State kids. Like he was the most explosive first step out of all the tackles. Not named Matthew Bergeron, who's also kind of a freak in his own right. But he's going to go later. But Darnell Wright to me was, uh, was the big winner out of all the offensive tackles at the combine, and to me solidified himself as a first round pick, and made me think that, you know, before it was like okay maybe maybe two tackles. I feel really good about going first round. Now, I think it's minimum three are going first round, potentially up to five. Mm-hmm. So maybe this offensive tackle class is is uh, a little bit better than I gave it credit for a couple weeks ago when we did our draft primer. Um, I think some questions were answered at the Combine. And for, for Don, Darnell Wright specifically, he showed that the tape was good, the senior bowl week was excellent, the
2: athleticism off the charts, crushed the drills— That's a first-round tackle, folks. It's one of the most surprising players in the early pre-draft process to me that people had doubts about him. And when people started saying, he might be a first-round talent, I was like, might? Like, have you seen the tape (laughs) against the best competition you can possibly get? Right? These guys are in the SEC. They're going to be the top pass rusher selected in this draft. He's played head-to-head had to handle them one-on-one and did so as well or better than anybody and you're saying that guy's maybe a first-round tackle in a class that is not loaded with first-round tackles we were talking about two at one point maybe three I'll kind of split the difference with you I think we'll probably end up with four depending on how those last two or three picks in the first round fall I think three is real solid at this point because look everybody needs tackles there's always a demand. There is not always a supply. And now we have two or three guys that could slot in. And I think general managers could feel good running the card up for their team if they're tackled needy and say, no, this guy, again, tape, measurables, competition at the senior bowl, which honestly wasn't better necessarily than the competition Darnell Wright face week to week. Uh he checks the boxes. We're good with him. As long as he checked out medically in India and there's no, you know, major red flags there. Like, that's a very safe guy to pick in the first round. And, you know, a month, month and a half ago, people were like, I don't know. I don't think he's a first round tackle. I was like, really? What do you think a first round tackle looks like? right four or five star guy goes to sec school plays really well against the roughest pass rushers there are and you're saying maybe well like what else does a guy have to do so it feels like to me he's sort of right sizing his value and he's just continued to do that throughout this later pre-draft process whereas you know those of us that watch the tape were like i don't know looks like a first round tackle to me uh,
1: honestly my only concern well, i shouldn't even say concern the reason why I went in, you know, a month ago, and I was like, I mean, maybe, right? My maybe wasn't even really about right. It was about the offense that he played in, because yeah. I do, I don't know how to evaluate Tennessee's offense. I really don't. Like, it's not like anything else. It's really yeah. it's it, it's so similar to like um you know early early and mid twenty tens Baylor. Yes, We're like, how how many times did we fall for Baylor offensive linemen where we're like, oh, they gave up nine pressures the entire year. That's what Darnell Wright gave up, right? Nine pressures. And then they go to the NFL, and like they're in a system that has nothing to do with what they did at Baylor. And so I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do with this. But when you isolate third and long pass protection reps with like an actual kick set against Will Anderson, against uh, B. Joe Jolari, when you're looking at all the senior bowl, when you're looking at everything he did the combine, now that's when you start to build confidence of, like, even when he gets out of that Art Briles style offense bubble, he can survive. He's different, right? And so it, it took me a little while to get to that confidence level, but after seeing all the accumulation of evidence of, like, it's okay – it'll be fine. It's he'll learn. He'll be, he'll be all right. Like now, now I feel very comfortable with it. Like he's a first round pick.
2: I'm going to round out my five gems on offense with my ride or die. And I grew up right near Syracuse. And two years ago, Sean Tucker burst on the scene as a running back. And I was like, I'm just waiting for him to come out at this point. Like (laughs) as long as he doesn't suffer a catastrophic injury, this is an NFL dude. And it doesn't have to do with the fact that he played for the Orange or anything else. You look at Sean Tucker on film, and I wasn't the only one saying it. There are a lot of people saying, this is an NFL dude. In the last couple of years, I haven't done anything to change my mind. It's just reinforced it. Great balance and burst as a runner. He stays over his feet, and it allows him movement in any direction. He can go side to side. He can burst forward. He can even hop back, get out of a tackle attempt that way. And I'm going to say this, people are going to take it the wrong way. But when I just watch his profile running, like his physical, how he runs with his shoulders over his toes, um, or really over the middle of his feet, that sort of upright balance, but low squat can go in any direction. It reminds me of Emmett Smith. Like, oh shit. (laughs) Now people are going to go the wrong direction because they're going to say you,
1: you could have done so like the literal top of the mountain. (laughs) That's where we're going.
2: when I'm talking about balance and profile, the way he runs, it reminds me of Emmett. Compact frame. Emmett I mean, was you know five nine, five ten, and he would stay balanced through the hole. And he had great feet. He's got better feet than Sean Tucker by far. All-famer all-time nfl rushing leader i get it but when i look at that style coming to the line not leaning into your pads all the time like you talked about israel vanacanis sometimes pushing the hole too early one of the things that's gotten better since that freshman year for sean tucker is patience he knows he's got the speed to open it up and if there's a hole he's gone he is really really fast and as a freshman, he would just try and push it, right? He would just put the hammer down and say, I'll make a hole. And now he'll wait, and that makes him even more dangerous. He is a vicious cutback runner. Like, mm-hmm. there's, his tape is littered with massacring defenses that overpursued because of that speed. And he'll just stop, and you can almost hear the record scratch on the tape, and all the defenders are going oh shit like (laughs) we're out of our gaps and we know he's faster than us and we know how this is going to end and he goes back the other way around the corner for 30 35 yards touchdown whatever it is he's done it over and over he's done it to very good very athletic defenses they played wake they played nc state like a lot of very good very fast defenders got burned by sean tucker just going nope sorry folks Train's going left. He is really capable in the short-to-meeting passing game. He is fast, and he is dangerous in space. i talked about it before. Offensive coordinators want weapons. They want guys who can go the distance if they get the touch. Sean Tucker is one of those guys. He's got – we'll throw some of the tape up. He's got big wheel route first downs versus Virginia. He has a wheel route touchdown versus Clemson where it, it kind of looked like spring practice. Uh, mm-hmm. once once they got out in space they realized the guy they had couldn't cover him sean just literally wheeled right by him like he just rolled right by him and caught an easy touchdown because he was like nope that guy is not a matchup so if you're looking for a matchup weapon again he's not gonna go super high this class is loaded with running backs he is super skilled i can't believe i'm saying it but a guy like sean tucker's getting lost in the wash a little bit and some team is gonna pick him up in like the third round, end of day two, and again, it's all about opportunities. Probably going to come in as a second back, and then somebody's going to get hurt. and Everybody's going to go, "Holy crap! This Sean Tucker guy is really explosive." Yes, he is a really good running back.
1: I get uh, very similar like Khalil Herbert vibes uh, from a few years ago, and you and I both loved Khalil Herbert, and we're like, "What's what's the issue here?" Like we knew, okay, he was a fifth-year guy, he's an older prospect. I get it, but it's like. Every time he touched the ball, like you could see the acceler- acceleration. You know, we talk about curvilinear acceleration. Like when he hits that front side lane, angle's burned, dude. <laughs> like angle is burned. I'm really upset that we didn't get to see him run at the combine. Um, you know, we, we didn't really get any testing numbers from him. I, I don't know if he's going to do any of this pro day. Uh, I have not looked up if he's like recovering from anything or, or whatever. But like on tape, I have to imagine. Like, on the, on the chips, his his miles per hour has got to be up there in this class. Like, I was legit thinking he was going to run 4-4. Now, we did talk a little bit earlier when we talked about Israel Banacanda, used 216, how, uh, you know, top 10 most productive running backs in the league. There's only two of them under 208 pounds. Tucker is 207. However, slight caveat to that. Uh, If you look at BMI, because he's 5'9", he's on the shorter side, so he's like Ray Rice sized. Um, If you look at BMI, typically workhorse capable backs are 30 plus BMI. And there was only seven, uh, or sorry, there was only 10 running backs in this class that were 30 or more BMI. Most of it was like, you know, Bijan, who's 215, Abana Candace, 216, Chase Brown's huge. Uh, Sean Tucker, because he is 5'9", but he's rocked up at 207, was one of those 10 running backs with 30-plus BMI. So he can still take hits, even though he's under 210 pounds. Um, I think the the Khalil Herbert comparison of like, hey, he's going to be your RB too, but when he gets on the field, fans aren't going to want him to leave because he's so explosive. I think that is a very appropriate expectation for him. Again, no idea where he's going to get drafted. No. No idea. Like, if you said third round, I'd say, yeah, fine, sure. If you said fifth round, I'd say, I understand. I got no clue. But I do know that if he goes to the right backfield as, like, a number two, let's say he goes to Seattle as Walker's number two. (laughs) That would be nasty.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there are so few places where I could put a guy like Sean Tucker in and feel bad about his fit because Uh he is really, really skilled. He is skilled enough to be a starting back in the NFL. He's probably not gonna be just because of the overabundance of talent in this draft and folks go with their established starters. He's gonna have to prove himself in pass pro. He's not bad there. He's tough dude. Can he get better? For sure. Uh, Is he better than Herbert in pass pro? I believe he is. Um, He's got, you know, more starting experience. Not necessarily more miles. He's still fairly fresh, but he, he took carries at Syracuse, but he was not one of those guys that had, you know, 450 carries a year or whatever. So... I love his profile. I love his value. The fact that you're going to be able to get him end of the third, middle of the third, all the way down to middle of the fourth, or even, like you said, could slide to the top of the fifth. I think that would be a crime. But it's possible in this particular draft class because of positional value and because of just supply. If you do that, it's stealing. I will say uh, from Owings
1: Mills, Maryland, home of the baltimore ravens that's where their headquarters uh, i think they call it the castle uh pretty sure that's out at owings mills uh and guess who needs a third running back ej yeah. just looking at free agency here so you know bring the kid home john bring him home
2: yeah john, it would, would it would be a great fit but again like i said there, I, there are probably a handful of teams where i would say ah, i don't like the fit i mean like three or five and anywhere else he went i'm Again, he's not going to displace the starter, but I wouldn't be upset with the fit. Like, if you took, said, oh, guess what? We're going to put Sean Tucker in a Kevin Stefanski offense. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure. Like, <laughs> I would love it if you said, oh, yeah, you know, he's going to be on the Texans and he's going to back up Damian Pierce. I'd be like, tremendous one-two punch. That's great. And you can just keep going around the league like that because Tucker is such a talent. Uh, my fifth
1: and final gem to round this out, uh, we, we couldn't not put him on here uh he's both of our wide receiver well, at least he's mine I'm, I'm pretty sure he's yours too right uh in terms of first rated wide receiver zay flowers are, are we
2: are we in agreement on that or i not? don't know if he's my wide receiver one yet is he in the conversation 100 like legitimately and he may end up there i haven't done all the work i need to do to sort of put my stamp on that at this point and say like oh yeah head and shoulders he's number one is he in the conversation yes he is strongly in the conversation for wide receiver one I think uh, looking at his skill set, he's one of
1: the only guys in this receiver class. And I, I will say receiver class deep, but not top heavy, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we might get two or three in the first round, maybe depending on how people feel about Jackson, Smith, and Jigba and Addison and Quentin Jot. Like, No clue how many are going to go in the first round. I would imagine probably three, but there's still quality receivers throughout the entire draft. So it's deep, but not top heavy. That being said, Zay Flowers is is possibly the only receiver in this draft class that I think still would go in the first round in most draft classes. He's the only one that I really don't have any questions about. Um, I know some people are concerned about the size, but I, I, how many how many times are we going to see a five nine you know over one hundred eighty pound receiver play for eight nine ten years in the league? Did, right?
2: Did you see the pictures of him from dude he's
1: rocked up
2: like he gained when 13 we... pounds yeah when we sat with him and he was in the process of adding weight like from his playing weight he'd already added a bunch of it but look in tracksuits you don't get to see it he had the sort of before and after photo the before photo was great super lean you know great muscle mass whatever he added 13 pounds of straight muscle mm-hmm. from like the 170 to 183 and he Honestly, he looks like a bodybuilder in that in that photo. So anybody that's like concerned about the size, A, we keep saying this over and over again, he's the same size as Tyler Lockett, right? He's like pretty much He's pounds. basically the same size as Brandon Cooks, like
1: he's barely right. under like, Brandon Cooks. And they're they're both fine.
2: Yeah, there's you know? no real concern if you see that picture and watch his play on the field about his size. He's not one of those guys that you're like, Well, he's one sixty one, not even close. Uh, he's got an NFL-ready body right now. And then you look at the production, all three levels of the field, and that's where I think he really separates himself is a lot of other guys are like, oh, he's really good at deep ball. Oh, he's really good at the under-. Like, Flowers, you just say, yeah, he's he's good at it. doesn't matter what it yeah. is.
1: You want to give him jet sweeps? Like, he can break a tackle. He's he's not going to go down on the first tackle like some other lighter guys are. Like, he is physical as a runner you know, super elusive on screens, got easy gas on the deep ball, ran four, four, two, and it looked like he didn't break a sweat. Um, You know, great ball tracking ability, like some concentration drops here and there on like crossing routes. I I feel like sometimes he would turn his eyes upfield a little bit too early on those, but it's not like he has bad hands. He has really good hands. Uh, It's just for whatever reason on those crossing routes, sometimes he'll have a little bit of a lapse. And we even saw that in the gauntlet drill, right? Both at Shrine and at Combine, It's just for whatever reason when he's moving laterally, sometimes he just he he turns too early. But like if I'm throwing up a deep post, I'm not I'm not kinda like looking through my my fingers like MBS, (laughs) right? Where I'm like, please God catch it. He's gonna bring it in. He's great in the red zone. You could play him at X. He's gonna beat press coverage. There's some guys in this class where it's like, no way are they ever beating press. Zay will beat press. If you want him to be the move guy, uh, like you know how the Bills use Stephon Diggs sometimes, where it's like we're putting him in motion to give him a free release because he can run by you, you can do that. If you want to put him in the slot and say go run option routes all day because you're too quick and they can't keep up with you, like that's what the Patriot staff did at, at Shrine Bowl week. Like they put him in the slot mm-hmm. and basically said you're let's let's see you do all the Julian Edelman stuff, and he aced it. Yeah. So he's just he's so versatile, he's so talented, he's got every tool. Uh, to be a very, very, very productive receiver. And you know what? If you knew going in that you were getting Tyler Lockett, he'd be drafted top 15 because a lot of GMs would go back and say, if I know I'm getting a Tyler Lockett type player, I'm taking that in the top 15 and I'm sleeping like a baby. So you know what? Patriots at 14, makes sense. Seattle at 20 to finally round out the receiving core and and get – Somebody besides DK and Tyler, which they've been trying to do for a few years here, that makes sense. Chargers at 22, or no, Chargers at 21, I think, and the Ravens are at 22. Both of them make sense. He's going somewhere top 25, folks. We don't know where, but it's somewhere in that range, and he's going to be a really, really, really good player.
2: Yeah, what you said about a GM sleeping easy about selecting a wide receiver in the first round, not typically something wide receivers bring GMs is a restful night's sleep if they're picked in the first round, it's one of the highest bust rates per position. Zay turns that on its head a little bit because again, you could just go right down the boxes. Is he physical? Was he productive? Does he have experience? Uh how does he play uh, against, you know, tight coverage? How did he how does he play when he gets loose in space? you know and you just sort of going down and he's got a plan one of my favorite things about our interview with him right here on this channel uh he's got a plan we threw a situation you threw a situation at him right at the end of that interview and said all right this is what you need to do all right and he came back and said this and you said you're not worried about this and he said that's exactly what louisville tried to do and i why Beat him anyways. He he understands coverages. He's got all these physical skills. He's demonstrated the full sort of array of wide receiver, you know, traits and skills. He fuses that together. Makes him, and this is hard to say, makes him a very safe pick at wide receiver almost no matter how high you pick him. Uh and that, if he ends up being wide receiver one for me, is gonna be why? Because I'm gonna feel better about him all the way across the board than I am about anybody else where I might have higher highs, but I also have lower
1: lows. Yeah. I think that was the general consensus from people that were at Shrine Bowl. You know, there was four or five GMs on the field that day. There was every team had multiple scouts crawling all over him. You know, we, we, we heard there was several teams that stayed an extra day to interview him twice because it, it became very apparent after like the second, maybe even the first drill he did uh, when he practiced it was like, Oh, okay. That's, that's different than everything else here. That's <laughs> like that. That's that an NFL is, uh, starting wide receiver, right? Yes. There. Yes. That is different. Uh, all right. We're going to wrap this up with honorable mentions. Cause obviously narrowing this down to five players each from like a starting list of 30 for both of us was really hard to do. There were some guys that we really wanted to talk about. We just couldn't fit them in. So my four honorable mentions are Matthew Bergeron. Speaking of Syracuse, very, very, very talented. Uh, offensive tackle prospect that I think could also play guard. And I don't necessarily mean that in the sense that he can't play tackle more. So I just think he's super athletic and I would love to see him weaponized at guard uh, on a team that like loves to run counter or power G lead, all the stuff that gets guards uh, out in space and moving. He's so good in space that I want to see him do that more. So uh, I think Matthew Bergeron could be a, a solid tackle, but a phenomenal guard Uh Ty J Spears from Tulane. I, I had him originally on here, but it's like, God, what more is there? What more can we say about him? <laughs> like every, everybody's in on TJ, Tajay Spears. At yeah. This point. He
2: was under the radar until his bowl game. And then he was less under the radar. And then he went to the senior bowl and there, there's no under anymore anywhere around Ty J Spears profile. It's all over. Yeah. Everybody loves Ty J, and, and so do we, like he's,
1: he, profiles as like a I'm not saying he's Alvin Kamara, but I think he's a closer comp to Alvin Kamara than Jameer Gibbs is this year. Dorian Thompson Robinson, who uh, you know, we obviously also saw Shrine Bowl. You know, watching him on tape, you're like, man, he's got a gun. He can really spin it. But then he went to the combine. I don't know what Jordan Palmer did, but like man, that's 62 miles per hour on the radar gun, like three more than, than Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. But then you see him actually spinning it out in the drills. I'm like, ah, that's real. Like he's got a cannon for an arm. And oh, by the way, he's super mobile. He's a really good kid. You know, accuracy can be spotty. Decision-making can be spotty, but he's very much on that, that Jalen Hurts, like every year is better than the last type curve. And even though he's not ready to start right now, I think he will be in a few years, and so to me, it's like you take him to be your new Tyler Huntley and you just work on it and you work on it and you work on it and eventually you're going to get a starting quarterback. I, I really do believe that. And then uh, finally you got Deuce Vaughn. What is he? 5'5", five, 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 180. He's, you know, he's, he's a, five
2: fun. That's what Deuce I, Vaughn is. He's such
1: a size outlier and that breaks my heart because I know so many teams would just take him off the board. But like at the same time, he does things on the football field that like most of the running backs in this class just can't do. Like his feet are ridiculous. His lateral agility is insane. He catches the ball well. He runs tough even though he's 180. Like because he is so short, like he is he is pretty rocked. Um I just love to his fun. He's he might be the most fun running back to watch in this class. And it breaks my heart that he measured in so small cuz I know he's going to go a lot lower than he should, but god, he's fun. So yeah. that's my honorable mentions. Who do you got?
2: uh these were just as hard as coming up with the top five i have to talk about Jalen hyatt again you talk about that tennessee offense but i'd said it in a previous podcast Jalen hyatt's freaking scary like he, he's got one trick but that trick is oh <laughs> he, it's just all gas right no breaks and he just rolls by guys who are really fast right we're talking about sec corners and he just walks by them Just walks by him, and that will put the fear of God in any defensive coordinator around. Like, if you lose this guy, like he is not a big guy, he's not. If he gets a step, forget it. You're not catching him. He can just go the distance, and that is a scary, scary prospect. Again, as well-rounded? No. Do we have some questions about the offense he played in? Yeah, but if you look at it on tape, and there are guys giving him 8, 11, 12-yard cushions, and he doesn't care. Oh, they're he terrified just, of him. Yeah, and he just <laughs> eats the cushion and rolls right by and throws up the mailbox, right? Hey, out here. And they just look at him like there's nothing they can do. So, it is a narrow profile both physically and in terms of his his game and route tree, but oh man, it is undeniable that guy has wheels on wheels. So, going to go with um, your, go ahead, Devin Smith from Ohio State. Yep. It's literally
1: it's the same thing. It's, yeah. it's the same thing. Like, Devin Smith was, again, like, similar size, you know, 4'3", 4'4", speed. Like, he's the he's the post guy. Go run the post, Devin. <laughs> we'll get it to you eventually, and you'll get a 70-yard touchdown out of it, and then you go to the bench, and we'll see you next week. But, like, that's that's him. That's You know, it's the
2: scariest combination in the NFL because there was somebody in the comments last week that said, hey, could you say where you think they should go? We'll try as much as we can, but, like, put that guy with Justin Herbert. As long as it's not in the first round. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about the first round, but put that guy with Justin Herbert and let Herbert just whip it. Oh, he would. Right.
1: I, I they desperately need speed.
2: You would you would have like eight touchdowns a year just between that arm combination and the speed even if you knew it was coming because he's going to get loose a few times. You're not going to hit it every time. He's not that guy, but when you hit it, nobody's catching him. Like, yeah. and I mean nobody. So that's why he's on the list. I want to talk about Juice Scruggs, the center from Penn State. We do have an interview with him coming out. We got to sit with him at Shrine Bowl, and that sort of piqued my interest. And then I watched uh, some of those, again, less publicized numbers for offensive linemen at the combine. And I was like, Juice had himself a very nice combine. Not surprising at all. Penn State is a mutant factory in terms of how they turn out athletic testing. Juice is a very solid guy, has good tape to go with those sort of sneaky good measurables. Really like him as a center prospect. Dwayne McBride, you picked your fun running back in in Deuce. Dwayne McBride, um, University of Alabama, Birmingham. It's just one of those guys that's kind of undeniable. You asked me, like, what's super special about him? I don't really have an answer. I would just say tape. Like, he just wins Mm -hmm. and wins and wins and racks up yards, and he always does it. It's very consistent. He was hyper productive, and he's a lot of fun to watch. And I just kind of was like, how can I leave Dwayne McBride off this list? Had to put him on there. And then one guy from the HBCU ranks who I really want to talk about is Xavier Smith. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to put an HBCU guy in the top five. Turns out that this year in offense, like all the guys that were the best on offense in HBCU this year aren't coming out.
1: <laughs> next year. Yeah, <laughs> next, next year's year. HBCU is going to be nuts. Like, we got to go to the yeah. HBCU combine. There's so
2: many guys. Fully agree. But this year, a guy that's coming out, Xavier Smith, he just got some love from a guy you got to talk to at the Super Bowl, Steve Smith. Came mm-hmm. out and said Xavier Smith is a dude. Um, he's not the biggest guy, but he is hyper productive. I sent you a clip of his burst because his burst is unreal from going again behind everybody in terms of angles to holy cow, we're all now stretching out down the field trying to catch him. And I got one quote from our buddy Emory Hunt, which I thought was terrific, and it happens to apply to a very high-profile quarterback in this draft as well. (laughs) Size is not a skill. If you're good enough, you're big enough. I like that. That's a great quote. I love it. And in Xavier Smith's case, uh, again, Florida A&M University, it applies. You see him going up against high-level talent and burning them both with a versatility he's going to need, because he's going to be a fourth or fifth or sixth wide receiver He makes a roster, he's going to need that special teams ability. He's got that in spades. And again, somebody's going to go down late in the season. He's going to get those third or fourth wide receiver reps and four verts, and all of a sudden somebody's going to go, "Holy cow, he's got some gas." Um, I really like Xavier Smith this year. Um, this is uh, completely
1: unrelated. I I realized I forgot somebody. Who'd you forget? Somebody I promised
2: myself I wouldn't forget. At Perry, I cannot. Oh, At after the combine, we really can't because a lot of people thought At Perry was tall and obviously a very nuanced route runner, a hands catcher. Um, You know, I get it, but then he went out and ran fast four 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 seven i think it was right yeah sub five and that was really the question is look he's a little bit slight he's obviously really tall we know he can catch with his hands we know he can get open with routes but hey if he goes out and runs a four six which wasn't out of the question based on his tape went out and run a four four seven and it looked pretty easy he was rolling through it um at made himself some money at the combine just again by everybody had no questions about the rest of it They had some questions about speed I think he answered those. And I honestly, he's the interview I am most excited about rolling out to folks from our Shrine Bowl series, of which we have like 30. AT yeah. was the guy, and you remember this. He left, and my jaw was on the floor. He is the most impressive football player I've ever gotten to sit with person to person. And that, regardless of position, regardless of year, regardless of school, like I was just floored flat-out Florida. Can't wait to bring that to you. We're going to bring it to you pretty quickly. It's going to be coming up here in the next week or so. Um, just a great football player, and I couldn't have been happier to see him run a good time at the Combine.
1: Guarantee you he crushed every single interview at the Combine and then 100%. ran in the 4s and broad-jumped 11-1 and has great tape
2: in a power conference. Like, he's... I think he's day two, man. He's I, the guy that nobody's talking about that everybody should be talking about. And when you see those annual uh you know both podcasts and articles that come out about redrafting the 2023 draft i will bet you whatever you want oh yeah that a.t perry will be selected higher in the redraft than he will in the actual draft because he will get out there and he will do it and everybody will be like man why did we overlook this guy again he was a little slight like what again it's not strength of uh, competition he played a major conference he has great tape and now he's got all the physical to go with it the mental is off the charts um again if you want to feel good about picking a wide receiver in this draft like go pick a.t perry did i tell you uh my heartbreak
1: story about uh, how much work i I put into this list that i i realized didn't matter so my my fifth guy originally was going to be a receiver out of Mm -hmm. utah tech down in St. George, Utah, by the name of Joey Hobart, yep. who's a transfer in from Washington State, so I'm sure you've seen him. I know um, his
2: name for sure.
1: I watched five games, did a full report, and then looked <laughs> up and I was like, shit, he's a sophomore. <laughs> but he is really good. So uh, after our yeah. HBCU combine next year, we got to go down to Utah Tech and look at yep. Joey Hobart. Uh, and I highly encourage all the people that are already getting started on next year's draft coverage. Joey Hobart, Utah Tech. That's a fucking guy. I really put, like Put, him, him, in there. put yeah, him in there. Put him in there. Put uh, him in there. All right. That'll wrap it up for a uh, expectedly very long 10 Gems uh, episode for today. Finally got through the offense. Uh, really, really excited about all these guys. I want to thank all of our executive producers for helping to make this show possible. Marat, Consti, Caden, Andrew, Taylor, Liam, Connor, Joey, and Mike. We appreciate all of you. Uh, If you guys also want to join the executive producer tier over on Patreon, link is down below. We really appreciate that because you help keep this show going and everything that we're doing here. Um, Could not thank you guys enough. EJ, we'll be back next week with, uh, I don't think we've decided on what our topic is next week, but it's something draft related.
2: I believe we will have a very special guest next week.
1: Oh, already? Already. All right. How about that? So we'll have a guest next week to talk football, talk draft, all that good stuff. And uh, we'll see you folks then. Later. Take care.